This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv. Good day, and welcome to our podcast. This is Camp Hacker, episode 73, recorded on the 24th of September, 2014. On today's show, starting from scratch, radical thinking about the future of summer camp. If you would like easy, automatic, and free updates of our podcast, please subscribe in iTunes or use the free Stitcher app. This week's Camp Hacker podcast is sponsored by camp pros like you who support the show on Patreon. If you want to support us for everything we do, please go to patreon.com slash camphacker. And by the Camp Owners and Directors Association. You provide quality experiences for children, helping them grow and gain independence, and we help you achieve your vision. Check us out at campownersanddirectors.com. We hope you enjoy the Camp Hacker Show. Hello, camp pros, and welcome to the Camp Hacker Podcast. My name is Travis Allison. I run a blog about running a great summer camp at camphacker.tv. Hi, my name is Dan Weir. I'm the Director of Camping Services at Frost Valley YMCA. Uh, Frost Valley is a year-round camp conference education facility up in the Catskill Mountains. And um, this was summer number 18 for me working at Frost Valley this past summer. And my name is Gabrielle Rail, and I'm one of the camp directors at Camp Waro. And um, it's good, good calculations, Dan, on how many years you've been working. I think it's over 15 years that I've been working at Waro, which is an all-girls camp uh, in uh, the Laurentians in Quebec. And my name is Joe Richards. I'm the executive director of Pierce Williams Christian Center, which is United Church of Canada's summer camp and retreat facility located in Fingal, Ontario. Uh, so halfway between Detroit and Toronto, and I just finished my 20th summer directing summer camps. And I'm Paul Sheridan. I run Four Winds Westward Ho, which is an independent not-for-profit residential camp in uh, the San Juan Islands in Washington State. Uh, this is my 10th summer at Four Winds that we just completed in my 14th summer, I believe, overall at summer camps. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to have everybody here. Paul, it's great to have you back again. Thanks. It's good to be here. Yes. We love having you as a co-host. Uh, today, we were taking, doing a bit of discussion at the end of the summer about what we would start off with this year. And um, with Gab's new show, Camp Code, um, I'm trying to steer us a bit away from staff training stuff and let Gab and, and Ruby and Beth talk about staff training stuff. It wouldn't be sort of where we'd get to at this point in the year, but I've been just trying to get a bit of separation and thinking about what big picture stuff we can do on the show. So today we wanted to talk about um, a really big topic, and it was a, an idea of Joe's, and uh, it's a good thing, I think, for us to expand our thinking about where summer camp is going, and it's we're going to call this show Starting from Scratch, and Joe's idea was, what would we do if we could design a camp or a camp experience from the very beginning? And Dan, I know that that's something that's been a big part of what you've had to do at Frost Valley, or got to do at Frost Valley. Yeah, um, so... Um we're pretty unique in the sense that we have eight overnight camping programs and we have two day camp programs. And it basically all started from an overnight camping program for boys. Um, and that blossomed into, um, trying to serve every demographic. Uh, so, um, in most recent history, um, uh, one that's kind of come naturally for us is we've been doing horseback riding lessons for years. And then uh, we started uh, branching out from horseback riding lessons to uh, a, a little program called Ranch Leaders, which was only 
um, 10 kids and they were spending uh, another two hours doing horseback riding lessons and then doing um, camp and still living in, the, in their camp cabins. And then that program expanded uh, eventually to um, its own village and it was known as Mustang Village. And then that program actually expanded into a completely separate property and its own dining hall and its own ranch and is known as East Valley Ranch and is literally all day with horses um, in an equestrian camp. So it's, um, uh, we've done this a few times in terms of kind of growing our camp, but that was the most recent uh, terms of success. And we're actually looking at right now, um, uh, we have a partnership with the Bear Grylls Survival Academy, and we're going to be starting a Bear Grylls Survival Camp um, this upcoming summer, um, where kids will come up uh, and learn survival skills from the Bear Grylls staff um, for uh, one week. And uh, will literally be um, the first few days will be education, and then the, the the last few days will be surviving in the wild. So um, it's something that we've done a few times, but it's it's it takes a lot of effort and a lot of intention at the beginning of it as well. Right. And Joe, what was it that um, that made you think of this idea and 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 say what do we what do we look at if we start from complete nothing? What made me think of the idea was this this concept that I have for years when I got here, I'd thought about doing my master's. And um, in talking with the university professor who used to be my uh, CIT coordinator back in the 80s, he said, um, essentially, why, why do you want to do a master's? I said, well, to do research. And, and he said, well, listen, what you have here at Pierce Williams is it's like little microcosm where you can do whatever research you want. And nobody's going to stop you, and you don't have to go through all the the loopholes and the jumping, and 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 it's just something that we encourage our staff to rethink everything at camp. We can because if you don't rethink it, you're slowly going to die. And and as we've done this, it, it's this it's this idea that you're like, okay, well, what what would camp look like if we started today? What's going to get kids interested? What's going to get kids coming? Um, and what's going to introduce new kids to camp? And so it's this this idea that um, when you approach something with no limitations, right, that's the, the other thing. By starting from scratch, you're not putting any of the, the limitations of your organization onto that program. You're just saying, listen, if we could make this come to life, what would it look like? Then you deal with the logistics after that. Um, whether it comes to fruition or not is a wholly other a wholly other point and discussion, but the idea of big picture thinking, dream no small dream, all of those things is uh, is is what made me think of it originally, Travis. Right. And so when you go through those exercises, Joe, how do you get them to get beyond the? But we've already done. We always done. We've always done it this way. I think one of the things is you give them perspective. Um, staff, mm -hmm. summer staff especially, have a very short perspective right they're yep. there for one two three summers four summers and they're like well we've always done it this way and you're like no we started that like three summers ago like it yeah. by being consistently there so be it a family-owned camp or be it a, a camp where you have someone who's consistently there you can say no we haven't always done it this way this is the way we used to do it so when people ask for change sometimes they're like well this doesn't work let's try this and, and you can come back and say well we have tried that um, or they can, you can say, listen, maybe it didn't work at the time because of certain circumstances. We can try that again. The perspective and, and making sure that people understand that it's just because we've always done it doesn't, 
mean that we have to always do it. The quote I remember from growing up was, just because it keeps on working, that doesn't make it right. Hmm. So change isn't a bad thing. And here, right now, we went through a lot of change this summer. We have two new buildings on site uh, with Humes Hall and our new barn. And it, I think it's really put that idea into people's head that we can do whatever we want. And we can create things in what we want. So for us, we have actual physical manifestation of the idea that you don't have to always do it the way you did because that doesn't exist anymore. Right. When you tear down a 130-year-old barn, you're basically saying, let's start over right. and figure out how arts and crafts works in our new barn. Yeah. Paul, if you were, if you had an opportunity to start something brand new or to even start your own camp brand new, what would be your process? Well, it's an interesting question for me because it's it's essentially the opposite of my actual life. <laughs> uh, uh, at Four Winds, we're uh, approaching 90 years old. We're, uh, we, we've specifically said we don't want to start new programs. We just want to do what we do. Uh, and our program would be awfully hard our program is not what I would do if I were starting a camp from scratch because it, it just wouldn't work. Uh, I'd be attempting to sell four week camp to West coast parents, <laughs> which as a brand new camp would be impossible. Uh, the money side of it would be really, really challenging. Uh, so it, it, it's an interesting question. I think what I would do, um, well, one thing I would look at, uh, what Scott Brody has done at camp Everwood. He, uh, runs, he is a very old to uh, a boys and a girls residential camp, Kenwood and Evergreen. And he wanted to start a day camp, uh, which he called Everwood after his two uh, residential camps. And he started it from scratch uh, in, a, in Boston, which is, a, as I understand it, a, a pretty crowded day camp market. Uh, and he, what he did is he tied every single activity to a 21st century skill. Right. Uh, when he went to design the, the, the kids' sort of daily experience, every single one of those things was intentionally tied to a 21st century skill. And I think that that uh, is really sort of capturing the uniqueness of what camp can offer combined with what we know now about what kids need and what, what society in general isn't giving kids. Right. Uh, so, uh, and, and he's done very, very well with that. Um, the other thing I would say, and I know that this is you know, not why any of us got into the camp business, but I would be very, very intentional about making sure the money side of things works. I think, I think camp people uh, can be, we, we, get, you know, we got into this business for kids and, and yeah. for these magical moments uh, and magical feelings, which are real and, and valid, and I love them too. Uh, but I, we have to be careful, I think, to create things that are su sustainable financially, that are going to uh, continue uh, you know, long into the future because they, the budget works. Uh, and I think that, so it'd be, I would attempt on the money side of things, if it were myself, certainly to, to keep my overhead awfully low, right. <laughs> uh, to find ways that, you know, we could stay nimble and, uh, on the financial side of things. I think that that's a, a trap, uh, that we can fall into for sure. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. All four of you have long established camps. And so one of the expenses that you don't have is mortgage, um, paying for buildings, et cetera. Obviously, that's their projects like Joe's taking on to, to, you know, have good stewardship of that stuff. But it's one thing that a, the camp has a bit of flexibility An established camp has some more flexibility to try these things. 
I'm hoping what we get out of today is inspire some people to try these things, um, is to, to throw stuff out and, and try new stuff altogether. Yeah, I mean, I think on, that, on, on, the, on the land side of it, I feel if you look at camps that have started fresh and have been successful, in a lot of cases, they have not bought land. Yep. Uh, you know, they're doing it on public, you know, on public land or they're doing it in rented facilities or you know, they have not gone and uh, you know, very, you know, in, the, in the first year or two gotten a big mortgage. Uh, you know, and I think that that uh, is certainly a, a, a key thing. Interesting. That's really neat. And, and Maurice is a, a, a bigger concept of camp directors learning how to treat summer camp as a business first, um, of, of making sure that the money works first so that the money can pay for the ideals that we're trying to get across this, this transformative experience that we're trying to create. Yeah. If I could just add one more thing to that, yeah. I think when the money works, when the money works, you can stick to your principles. Right. Uh, because oftentimes we are pushing families outside their comfort zones. So we're going to do things that are, are going to you know, make some families nervous. Uh, and and uh, when you're really struggling to make your next payroll, hmm. it, it can be very tempting to, to bend on those, uh, on those principles. But when, when the budget's fine, when you know that, you know, that, 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 that all the checks are going to clear, right. it's, it's a lot easier to, to stick to those principles. And yeah. I think that that's important. So, Gab, what would be your philosophy of uh, of answering this question of of what if we could start all over again? Um, I think uh, I when um, Jeff Bradshaw was starting Winona, we had a really interesting conversation because uh, my family was in a similar situation. He purchased his camp, but he we purchased it. We inherited uh, a culture, basically, right. and. Um, and he was talking about how he was setting up the culture of Winona and, and what he wanted to come, you know, get out of it and what he wanted the experience to be for the staff, the experience to be for the campers. And I think it was for the first time I had started thinking about, as we talk about a lot, you know, big picture things. And I started to think about what are some of the things uh, in my camp culture that are no longer relevant, that, that no longer uh, make sense uh, with the values that we're trying to uh, portray, portray. So what are some of the traditions? What are some of the um, actions? How do we train our staff? And I think that the exercise of thinking of, um, you know, if you started your camp from, from scratch uh, is an amazing exercise in the sense that it gives you sort of a, an opportunity, sort of like a dream world to, to look at what's possible and see if there's some of those things that apply to your organization. And I think, and I think that um, what Paul is saying about the finances the the thing to just be careful about is not to follow necessary trends. Mm. So this is what people are into right now. Let's do this. It's more about is it you know does it is there a base a value base that links to um, you know that program. So for me, if I was to start something new, um, you know, Rose uh, non is unplugged throughout the summer uh, for the campers. But I would love to do some sort of video storytelling because I think storytelling um, is a beautiful art form and definitely happens uh, at camp around a campfire, but let's get that out there. And so there's sort of like, there's certain programs I think that would be really cool that you could, but if it comes from a value-based, um, you know, 
uh, stems from a value base. Mm-hmm. It would be really, really important. And I, I just, I just started to be on a board with a camp that's going to run for the first time uh, in 2015, just for two weeks, and it's for a camp um, with young adults that have cancer. So from 15 to 20, and that's that's the process we're in right now. Right now, we're deciding, you know, how do we train staff? What's the mood? What's the what are the goals? And so just being part of that and having a large group of people that are doctors, camp directors, um, accountants, sort of in one room discussing what camp should look like uh, has been a very interesting process. But now I'm, I'm part of that, that sort of the beginning, uh, the beginning starts of, of dreaming up a, a summer camp, which is really cool. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, right on. I wonder, I wonder if you approached it from the perspective that if you, if you had no idea what summer camp was. Right. Every time Joe's about to drop a truth bomb on us, <laughs> it drops off. Thoughts and ideas, but if <laughs> if you were to start Joe, hold on a sec. Zero, Joe, yeah. we lost you. I think you said something probably really smart there, but we didn't hear it. You start your thought again. Oh, I need to get my. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what I'm saying is that if we, if you were to start from zero and you were a um, and you didn't have the same knowledge that we all have as camp people, what kind of programs would you run? What kind of programs would you do? Because a lot of times people are going to be stuck on, well, we have to offer canoeing. We have to be on a lake. We have to do this. We have to do that. And and what I'm saying is if you started fresh with none of those constraints, what would camp look like today that would most benefit the kids? Um, right? It's a... Uh, right. Um, it's an interesting perspective and and it's funny because i think about things that we don't offer at camp things like video editing or or storytelling in that sense um coding was another thing i just brought back a book from a trip to michigan um uh teach coding to kids help your kids to code and uh, it's not taught in our curriculums here in ontario i'm not sure uh, many schools it is um but uh i gave this book to my daughter kayla who's nine years old and she latched on to scratch which is a coding program that mit developed and she sits in her room and makes things dance around the screen and she is all she's like this is awesome and she's like i'm gonna log on at school and show all my friends and it's one of those things where you're like this is that's an interesting program and how you you share things with kids but it's you know, what type of programs do we consider camp and what type of programs do we consider valuable to kids in this age? So as, as Gab said, you want to stay away from trends. What's trending now? You want to, it's, it's like university. The whole concept is that, um, as said in the uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, the problem with university is it's gotten away from its true value, which is teaching people how to learn. Right. That's what we need to do. We don't need to teach them specific things. We need to teach them how to learn so they can continue to adapt as we go forward. Right. And I think I think that's why it's difficult to um, to label what camp is. I think it, it comes down to the value systems of of the camp directors, really, when it comes down to it. But for me, it's really about it is about life skills and it is about learning um, about yourself and it's about giving you experiences that are going to help you when you're an adult. So obviously the skill of canoeing might not be able to help you in a boardroom, but the fact that you persevered and, and you know, you, you really, you know, honed in on that skill, you, you learn certain aspects. And just like the, like coding, 
if it's in an environment where it's supportive, uh, where you're challenged, and um, but it's maybe something that you wouldn't have the opportunity to do in another place. Um, you know, that's that's what camp sort of that's maybe the difference between just a regular program where you're learning how to code versus a camp that's going to be doing really cool computer stuff. Right. Yeah, I think if you really wanted to strip it down, it's 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 novel environment. It's pushing yourself outside your comfort zone, and it's community and relationships and friendships. Like the, those are sort of the you know you could, you could do those things in lots of different ways, uh, but um, I think that those are sort of the things that if you got away from those, it would feel like. To me, it, it, you might not be doing camp anymore, but you could do those three things in lots and lots of different ways. Uh, yeah. and, 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 and there's no reason that it has to be on a lake or that it has to involve canoeing, that's for sure. Although I love canoeing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Dan, I, yeah, I, you've got an idea. Let's see what we're going to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, so I've had this discussion um, a lot, actually, when we talk about um, new camp programs. Uh, my, my camp um, loves... Uh, expanding in the in the sense of the true passion of trying to serve as many children as possible. That my CEO sincerely believes that uh, it's our mission to serve as many kids as possible. And if we could run another camp program safely and of quality, that we should be doing it. Um, so we're always looking at serving more um, in this in this way. So I actually I just jotted down. Um, there's there's been nine. Um, kind of discussion points um, uh, that, uh, and some of them have already been mentioned, but when we start talking about this, that we have these discussions to make sure that that we are 100% on all, all these before we move forward. So the first is um, demographic. Um, uh, you know, uh, does this match up with um, uh, the community you're currently serving? Um, or um, the, like, uh, for instance, you know, I serve a lot of the New York um, uh, sorry, New York, New York City and New Jersey crowd. Is this going to match up with the demographic we serve? Um, the second is the audience. Um, you know, um, uh, for the camp, which is a little bit different than the demographic. Is there an is there an audience for this um, for this style of camp? You know, when we were starting to talk about um, Bear Grylls, is there an audience of of kids that would love to learn survival skills? Um, and do we believe we can capture that audience, for lack of better words? Um, the third is uh, mission. Um, you know, if you're a nonprofit, you you have to have a mission um, theoretically. Um, but if you're a private camp, um, you know, hopefully you either have a mission or a focus or a benefit statement of something. Um, and uh, you know, do, is this camp program you're starting match up with that mission? And if you're starting from complete scratch, you know, um, you should make your mission uh, reflect that. Um, and, and parents really do want to know what the mission of your place is when we do open houses. Um, we actually, the second slide is our mission, um, and we explain how it transcends all the way down to the camp program. It really shows the, uh, the quality of programming. The fourth is um, the goals um, of the program. So what are the outcomes uh, or, or the experiences that you want kids to have, um, and make sure it's designed, um, everything's designed to have it that way. Um, the, the, the fifth one's staff. Um, you you kind of have to have, uh, you have to have a charismatic leader um, to really kind of to take to launch the program, and it's not the same person uh, necessarily as the person that could run a high quality program. There are definitely personality types that um, are perfect in that entrepreneurship of, of of starting off something, and are not the same people you want running um, the program. And it's and and it's uh, for us our hundred fifteenth year. Um, uh, and you also need the right counseling staff. Do you, do you have quality staff members that are going to be around for a few summers to kind of see it through? 
um, and, and get that commitment. Uh, the, the next one I've written out is traditions. Um, what does it mean? Um, uh, you know, uh, really making sure that the traditions uh, match up that you're creating. That's the, I think that's the most fun part when we're starting a new camp is we really get to be intentional about the traditions. There's, a, there's one camp I know that they literally sweep up the ashes of their campfire and they put it in a cigar box. And, um, you know, all these years later, it's, it's not the greatest to be reinforcing smoking into <laughs> your camp population. Um, and so when you're creating traditions now, you could be really be intention filled of where things go and, and what their meaning is. Um, seven, um, Paul is talking about financials. Uh, sustainability is huge. Um, I watch a number of nonprofits that just bank on the fact that a donor is going to come through. I watch a number of uh, private camps that don't really look at um, they want to do year-round programming, but don't really recognize how much it would cost to heat the dining hall. You know, the, all those things are really uh, important yeah. to understand. Uh, number eight, I have written out as the site, um, just pure logistics. You know, like um, you have to check with your lo local Department of Health. Um, you have to make sure you have enough toilets. The kids are going to shower. That your food's going to be prepped properly, and can you pull it off in the timeline you're setting thing up? And the last is, uh, I think this is what um, Gab was talking about. Um, is that purple cow element, like uh, you know, going to Gary Forge? Can you knock it out of the park? Are you going to be able to run a program that is quality um, and that is worthwhile? Um, and uh, I've no. These are the the points that we always come up with the, in the discussion. Um, and uh, if we have yeses to everything, it's it's go forward. And if we if we don't have yeses on all of it, we that's where we really have to hammer things out before we move forward. Um, and I've noticed because uh, we come up with a ton of ideas, <laughs> literally sit in a room and just like see what see what sticks, and go and talk to families and camp staff, and um, you know, I, it's it's really interesting some of the things uh, and how open people are to expanding a camp program. Or just starting uh, starting another camp program, but at the same point in time, you need to have enthusiasm and buy in with yourself, and uh, and really recognize that you're gonna you're you're into this project and that you want to pull it off. Um, you know, I think when we're talking about these, we're talking about motivated individuals that wanted to do something. Scott wanted to grow, um, wanted to grow a day camp. You know, like that. All those things really make a difference. But um, yeah, right. so was, that's my list. There you go. Um. So two big thoughts that have come up. One is um, when I one is a program that I've seen have a very radical shift in the last five years. Um, and Outward Bound Canada used to have a whole bunch of properties. They had three properties across the country and all these out, outdoor programs and you know typical stuff that you expect from out, Outward Bound. And they eventually ended up um, selling off their properties and moving into the city. And so they now um, run a downtown Toronto outdoor experience because they were willing to radically look at what they were doing and see how they could impact the most number of people. And I think that um, that we as camps need to be open to you know complete shift in what we're talking about. And, and the way that we run things. And um, it's one of the things I've been thinking about a lot lately is if we really want to be able to reach more people, um, this comes out of my, my big question for 2014 for summer camps. I'm sure I mentioned this in the last podcast because it's been a bee in my bonnet all summer, um, is asking families. I, I think every camp should be asking their families, of, of this child's parents, how many of them had an overnight summer camp experience 
And I think that we would find that the majority of those kids have a parent who had an overnight camp experience because those people get us because I don't think we're very good at explaining this value. Paul was talking about that too, explaining the value of, of what we do to people who don't understand summer camp. And one of the things we may have to get give up on in order to have more impact, more transformative experiences on more kids is give up on the fact of owning a site that's in the woods beautiful lake um you know sunsets and mountains and trees and all those things that that people talk about because they have a, a natural and deserved love of their property um but if you want to to get radical then i think we need to talk about bringing camp to them instead of um always relying on them coming to camp yeah i, I, I was talking with somebody the <laughs> Dan, you go first. I got a feeling you need uh, to get going soon. Yeah, I, I do. For, um, uh, I was talking with somebody yesterday at the tri-state, uh, or two days ago at the tri-state planning uh, committee meeting for um, for the camp conference, and uh, I, um, she basically, I, I, I can't remember the name of her company off the top of my head, and I apologize. Um, she runs um, day camp programs out of country clubs, mm. and how um, she's seen great growth uh, over the past past bit but she uh you know basically has three to four staff at these country clubs that she interviews and she hires and she trains and um does it across the country and um they serve 20 kids at a country club and they run camp there and i've i've run camp at um at ymca facilities where it's a gym and swim and they don't have a lot of grass they don't have the same scenery and um you know a camp definitely has to, to be able to adjust um, and uh, really make sure that people really understand um, that it's it's more than just just their um, their property uh, it's certain the property certainly plays a huge focus in it but it's a really great point that you brought up that it, we really have to be adjusting to the market for lack of a better word right Joe what were we gonna say I just agree wholeheartedly. I often, I often think to myself, are we doing enough? And, and this is this is where the idea of um, after touring around Australia last it, last year and and having a summer to think through all of the things I saw and all of the things we do, are we doing enough to reach other kids? People say camp is successful, and and you know we had a great summer at, at Pierce Williams, but but are we reaching kids that we want that are new to us? Are we reaching kids that that want to have that camp experience? And and you know, it, a couple of weeks ago, I was in New York City for a um, uh, a fundraising workshop, and I was sitting at the table. And here's here's the thought I had as I was sitting at the table. So there's 22 people sitting around this table, and they're introducing themselves. And this is a training for fundraising. Um, for a book, The Generosity Network, which I, I put as a, a cool tool a while ago. And uh, at the table, they're introducing themselves. And, you know, I'm Joe Richards. I'm from Pierce Williams Christian Center, you know, and and uh, I'm looking around the table thinking I've got to be the only camp person here because I'm the only person who walked into 15 Central Park West with Birkenstock shorts and a, and a short sleeve shirt on. Mm -hmm. And um, and then you start to see the other people around the table, and it's like the the X Prize Foundation is there for training, and right. the MIT Media Lab is there for training, and um, Elwin out of Philadelphia, which is a huge organization that does programs for kids with disabilities, and 
the Berkeley College of Music was there for training. And, and here's a thought I had, and, and this applies to us now. I, I thought I'm either in the really wrong place or I'm in the really right place, right? Like we need to do more to reach out. We need to do more. And, and if that's camps at country clubs or, you know, if it's, if it's something dramatically different, attaching ourselves if if I were to start from scratch, I agree with Paul. Finances have to be in order. Mm-hmm. And and years ago, I tried to buy my own site, and and thank God I didn't get the money to to buy my own site because I'd be paying off that mortgage for the rest of my life. But if I ran a program with no site and just rented, then it, it it's all just numbers that and and you can focus back on what you're doing, which is is affecting the lives of children and and whether you do that downtown toronto or whether or whether you do that in the Catskill mountains of new york it, you're you're going towards the same objectives and i think that um as we move forward you know if people always talk about year-round schooling being the end of summer camp and i'm like no it's just it's it's just a chance to change and and um the reality is that a lot of our um, a lot of our camps are struggling, mm-hmm. and and I say that as an industry, and and so what can we do to be different and to be better is is the objective, and I think that there's too many closed minds on board of directors of of nonprofit camps. Not mine. I like my board of directors, but just people who are struggling with with you know, how to run a great camp program and, um, and dealing with a lot, the, the legal liability when they don't run a great camp program. Right. Dan, I want to give you one last chance in case you get called away. Is there anything you want to add? Um, make sure it gets out there before you have to, before you have to leave. Uh, you know, I think the, the biggest thing is, uh, is to not be naive in the process. Hmm. Um, and to really uh, be realistic about how it's going to be a slow growth at first. Um, with doing this, um, uh, it, it usually takes about three years for it to really take off. And, and you really need a, a huge form of commitment in any program you're running. And to not give up easily. To really, um, you know, I think of camp change that we make internally. It usually takes three years, right? The first year it's, oh, this is new. We haven't done this before. The second year is, oh, we, we did this last year, and uh, yeah, I remember, I liked it, you know, like, we, we should make this tweak. And then in the third year, it's, uh, we've always done this, right? This is this is just what we do. Um, and um, that goes for staff, that goes for families. And I think, I think if you embark on this adventure, that you just need to really have the commitment and the time to put it in for a few years and really see it through. And the patience. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. So it involves a fair amount of financial commitment as well as just the patience to keep trying new stuff. Yeah, or maybe recognizing you're not going to make um, you're not going to make a profit until year three. You know, right. like right. that that could be really really difficult for some people. Um, you know, and and camp as a whole is a very profitable, um, sustainable um, thing. If you really are able to minimize your expenses with the year round, it, it really can go long. So. Yeah. But yeah, unfortunately, I think I do have to run. I'm seeing. Um, <laughs> we can hear your phone buzzing uh, for you. Yeah, my phone's buzzing too. Yeah. Um, uh, can I talk about my pick of the week before I go? My tool of the week? Yes, of course. Please do. And then just, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up after you're done. 
Yeah, just two seconds. Um, um, uh, it's um, Mom and Dad are fighting uh, uh, Slate uh, Magazine's podcast. And um, I think the biggest thing I've noticed as becoming a parent is that uh, my constant discussion with, with uh, about my child. And I think for a lot of camp directors or a lot of camp professionals that don't have kids, that's something that you miss out on during the nine months of the year. And so it's really just in intriguing hearing two parents talk and have a guest um, for 45 minutes on a topic about kids. And it just gives you, uh, it gives you something to think about when you're talking to families over the year. Uh, but I just, I just found it very intriguing and it was something I recognized with my shift of becoming a parent over the past uh, two years. So, right. um, and being a camp professional, but yeah, that, that's it. Um, thank you to everybody. And I will, I'll talk to you later. I got to run them. I apologize. So. Thanks Dan. Take care. Yeah. So, um, shoot, I had such a good thought too. Well, uh, does anybody have anything you want to jump off of what Dan was saying? Uh, I think it, uh, for me, if, you know, to be honest, if I was to, to start a camp from fresh, I would basically take the word camp out of it mm. altogether mm. and just think about yeah. what's the venture I want to, I want to do. And, and, um, uh, often, and I, I really, really uh, mean this in a in a very kind way, but it's popped into my head a couple of times thinking that our name Camp Waro is getting in the way of what we're actually trying to do because we have to convince the the clients that don't understand what we actually do because they have a, a, a notion already which isn't a positive notion of what summer camp is, I mean, something they right. can't connect right. to. Yep. And I would probably read rebrand and rename our program of, and make it very clear, which is basically something along, you know, Girls Matter or, uh, you know, Leadership and Girls or, you know, something that, that's very, very tangible. Um, and that's not to say at all that I feel like we should all drop the word camp. It's, it's very near and dear to my heart. But I think that there's a whole branding issue. And I know that the ACA has put a lot of effort into trying to rebrand and so has, has certain uh, provincial um, associations across Canada but the the word camp is is a, it's a it's something that it's a little it brings a lot of great clients that already understand it and then but I think what Joe what you're talking about are the clients that we're trying to to get and um, you know that's just something that I'm I'm very curious about you know how do we how do we get those clients I'm really interested in seeking out those clients and um, but I, I'm I wonder what the word camp means and I to them, and, and as you said, uh, Travis, I think that survey question um, about, you know, what, what parents went to camp is, is really, really valuable. Because I, my, my guess is that for the most part, at least one of the parents ha has gone to summer camp and that that pile is really dwindling. Mm -hmm. um, so, but if I was to start a camp, I'd really probably drop that name for and, and just develop a program first and foremost. And then you know, look at the finances and see what, what camp could bring to me. Yes. Smart, I, smart, smart. I say that with blushing cheeks and, <laughs> uh, <laughs> interpretation. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love it. Cap. I love how radical that is. It makes yeah. me so happy just to, th to think that big. It's yeah. Awesome. Well, I think it's the, that's what you have to do in business, you know, and it, business is not a, it's not a nasty word. And, and, and especially for non-for-profits, uh, not-for-profits are businesses. They have to succeed financially, um, you know, either in fundraising and so, so do, you know, for-profits. And a lot of the time I feel that not-for-profits and for-profits have very similar financial issues. 
Um, and you have to think like a business, regardless of where your money's coming from. Well, and Gab, that idea of changing, taking summer camp out for an organization like ours at Pierce Williams, that's a simple, that's a simple thing because it's not in our name, right? It's, yeah. it's, we're Pierce Williams Christian Center. We're a, we say we're a summer camp and retreat facility, but, but it would be simple enough for me to rename the summer program. Like we're a citizen builder. We're a, mm. you know, we're a, a people developer. We're a, a skill, right? Like we, whatever phrase we come up with. And I'm sure if I spend any time at all, I could come up with much better phrases than those, but it's, it is a radical idea, but it, to say what we do, because we all know what summer camp does, but I'm not sure as Travis, I'm not sure those parents who don't have the camp experience know. Exactly. And I, you know, this idea came to me when, um, uh, when my partner wanted me to go see a clowning show and I was like, hell no, I'm not doing that. That's not, sounds like, I love you, but it does not sound like fun. And he was like, oh, it's going to be great. And I grew up in Montreal, like great, you know, Cirque du Soleil, like this is clowning. But I was like, Ugh, I just sit down and watch clowns for an hour and a half. No, thank you. And I went because I'm lovely. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it was amazing. It really was. It was a fantastic evening. It was almost like cabaret-ish, but it was definitely clowning. And um, I was like, wow, clowns need to rebrand themselves <laughs> because I, yeah, I well, can, and, you and know, I think people that are in clowning that's a perfect... love it. Right. And if you're not, like some people that I know, including myself and a handful of my, my friends that would, <laughs> that are snobs, <laughs> snob clown people, uh, they wouldn't have gone. But I think we also miss... I think we misunderstand what things are. So exactly. clowning's a perfect example. I'm not yeah. sure if you've ever seen a show called Slava Snow Show. And Slava Snow Show ran in the the Joe, mid nineties to, to the early two thousands. One clowning show in my life. That's it. No, yeah. I don't know Slava and Clown Show. Well but but this is the thing. Slava Snow Show, which and Slava's like this famous clown in Russia. But clowning in Russia is not like the circus clowning here. It's it's literally a a drama show of a single guy on stage and i've i liked it so much i went three different times at three different theaters because he made it snow on you in a theater it was yeah. and, and it was one of those things where if you told people that's what clowning was i'm not sure what you would think what somebody at a birthday party or a circus does mm. because the they're the two are so totally different it's like saying Cirque du Soleil is clowning it's it's not it's it, it it's a performance. It's, it's something else. And so to, that's the trick is, is to say what we all do is the same is a very, very, we're painting with a broad, broad brush. Yeah. Um, but, but I love the idea of just not being attached, overly attached to our history that's right. to accomplish our future. Right. I a hundred percent agree. And, and again, I just want to say that, it's really from the values that, you know, Paul, as you said, you love canoeing. I love canoeing. It's taught me amazing life skills. And, you know, it, I'm also super badass when I get in a canoe and somebody's like, whoa, look at her. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's, you know, that's helpful. It's great. Helps my self-esteem. But, but I think that, that that's the type of stuff. It's like, what is it from canoeing that, you know, created this feeling in certain individuals? And, you know, and you... you and, and Joe, you had said, you know, 
when you when you started at Pierce Williams, I remember you saying, you know, ha ha ha, I don't have a lake, but I'm the type of guy because of my past camp experience that I don't need a lake. But there's a lot of people to be a camp director, a residential camp director, they need a lake. They don't know what else to do. Right. And I think that was yeah. also the start of me thinking you have to think beyond what you know, basically. Right. Paul. Well, and I think if I could, I think that, uh, well, just to throw something out there, I think that stepping back from what I would do personally if I was trying to create a brand new summer camp and going more towards what should the industry do or what, uh, yeah. what, 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 what do we hope this movement looks like in, in 20 or 30 years? Uh, if the, the way forward or the way to big growth is programs in cities, programs that are more a la carte, programs that uh, do activities that we're not as familiar with, uh, um, programs that aren't you know in, in traditional what we think of as summer camp settings with the lake and canoes, then what we need is a cadre of camp professionals that is very strong in quality and much bigger in quantity. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the thing about the lake and the canoes and the cabins and the university age staff is that it is a formula that gets you maybe 80% of the way there. Right. Uh, you, that, that, um, with just that, that basic setting. And that's why so many, that's why so many camps do it. I mean, it, it, it is a formula that, that does work. And, uh, and if you're going, I think that more creative programs, different types of programs to achieve the same type of magic and, and growth that we see in kids we're going to need a, a really amazing cadre of, of camp professionals that can, that can create those programs and pull that off. And so I, uh, I think things like this and things like the camp pros group and, uh, and, and, and sort of cultivating those, uh, those younger leaders is, is going to be key to, to making programs like this go and achieve the same types of goals that we, we can achieve in a more traditional setting. This, this discussion is so exciting for me here today this very moment all of you listening the the five of us having this awesome open discussion about the future of summer camp this is why camp hacker was started for this day um it (laughs) it is a much bigger discussion than we have time to so the five of us are here committing that we're going to come back to this because i have um i have lots of other thoughts um but i want to keep this pretty manageable in terms of listening one or two one or two time periods to listen to the show because it's great so we're going to come back to um radical thinking about the future of summer camp there's some awesome ideas there um i do want to give each of you a chance to to see if there's anything else a good series yeah for sure absolutely so a good thing for us to come back to regularly joe do you have any other wrap-up thoughts on this topic for today i could talk for hours about yeah. this this is where this is an idea like this is is something that at, at like a fan camp um this is the conversation that normally goes on around the tables at a at a conference like that right on good well thanks for presenting the idea joe gab do you have any other wrap-up thoughts on this no, it's just, it, I mean, it's great to, to be part of this type of conversation. And, and I think that, I think that it's sometimes scary to push um, the envelope um, in the sense that what we've been doing for years is working well. I think that the only thing is that you need to ask, you know, can you do it better? And what direction does that need to take you? And it's not a disrespect to your history at all. Right. It's, it's a, you're building on that foundation. Right. 
And the thing I would add to that, Gab, is that what we've been doing for years, although has been successful for a long time and is sustainable for many people, it's not growing. The industry is not growing and doing it the same old way. Where the industry is growing, and I'm not saying that that's what you're saying, but I'm just mean thinking about this big picture, that the industry is growing in different areas or needs to grow in different areas to survive. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't agree more. That that's all it is. It's yeah. basically it's the, there are numbers out there. Camps are having a hard time. Yeah. Um, you have to you have to keep evaluating and evolving, and it doesn't have to be in one. Like now, everybody has pink hair because it's really awesome, right. um, and it's going to look great on Twitter. You know, like <laughs> you don't have to go crazy, but you you do have to evaluate. Nice. But though, I mean, pink hair on Twitter would be <laughs> that is actually <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> Any final thoughts, Paul? Uh, yeah, it's exciting and it's it's scary. I think yeah, for those of us that are are tied to uh, you know, traditional places, right. but 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 it's uh, it's it, but it, it is exciting, and I, I to I think that the idea of us touching more and more uh, kids' lives and and uh, having that positive effect, we need to do what we need to do to make that happen. Yeah, that, yeah. that that. Uh, you get it reaching 15, 20% of kids in North America is not enough. And it's not, and, we're, and, and nothing that's happening right now in a, in a large scale is going to get us there. Uh, and, and, and so the, the uh, you know, this radical thinking, I think is important to, to, to get it to that bigger place. Yeah. Right on. Well, thank you all for a great conversation. I look forward to continuing it on in, in many times for, going forward i think it's going to be awesome so that brings us to our tool of the week tool of the week so we've had some great conversation and we're going to give you that to take home some things for you to ruminate on and and please do um respond and and reach out to us on twitter you'll find us all in the show notes um at camphacker.tv slash podcast where you can find out how to get in touch with each one of us uh or leave us a comment there i think we're getting a lot more web comments these days it's pretty great um but let's move on to the tool and with a promise that we will come back to this so I'm going to uh, I'm going to start with mine. There was a discussion today on Camp Pros about where to find good music for um, for your camp videos. I've actually seen some awesome camp videos this week that I've been really impressed with, and um, they had a, both the two ones that I'm thinking of had a radical had a radically different take on the music of it. And I think using pop songs um, is an Although not le- is first of all not legal um, to use a pop song without without paying for it, um, but also can lead to lots of troubles um, because of having your videos taken down and stuff, etc. There are lots of awesome sources of good music that would be catchy, rememberable, all those things that you get from a pop song um, that you could get for some for free, some for fifty or sixty bucks to use. Um, some would be more than that, and you could also have stuff custom written. Um, so I'm going to post a link in the show note of a, a list of songs that I'm keeping, um, of places that you can get music for your camp videos and, uh, I'll keep updating that so that people can see that. So if you go to camphacker.tv slash podcast, look for our tool of the week on episode 73, uh, you'll see my list that I keep there. Um, Paul, what's your, 
What's your pick? Uh, my tool uh, the week is Camp Moves Me, which is a campaign that the uh, American Camp Association is uh, is doing in October. It's uh, one of these deals where uh, people can commit to some sort of athletic endeavor. You sort of have a miles goal. Uh, you can swim or, or bike or hike or run or whatever whatever uh, you're into. And then you ask people to pledge a sort of per mile uh, uh you know, uh, donation uh, for, uh, uh, and all that money goes to the ACA's Send a Child a Camp Fund. Uh, the reason, and I think it's relevant for today because I am an advocate of, I think, part of this deal with, with, with growing camp or uh, getting more kids. We have to reach communities that uh, can't afford us. If you look at the numbers, the average American camp, the average American family cannot afford the average American camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and so part of this deal with with, with reaching more kids is is, is financial aid, uh, and uh, I would encourage camp professionals to, as it makes sense for them. And you know, I, I'm I'm in the interesting position of my own camp has its own scholarship fund uh, that I'm not raising money for. I'm raising money for the ACA scholarship fund, and I get that there's an awkwardness there, uh, but. Uh, I think every camp can sort of take a look at what they're doing, and you can go to uh, acacamps.org slash campmovesme, uh, or if you just want to sign up, you can go to athlete.com slash ACA, uh, and, and both get money towards uh, sending kids to camp, uh, but also, uh, just as important, uh, because there's a social media aspect of this, gaining visibility for the cause. Yeah. Uh, and I am uh, doing it myself, uh, but I encourage people to get out there and uh, make a commitment to an athletic endeavor sometime in the month of October is when it is happening. Uh, so, uh, have a look. That's awesome. I also am going to do it in the month of October, um, for Camp Moves Me too. So if anybody wants to do that, um, I was trying to figure out a way if we could indicate to the ACA that it was, you know, camp pros, people that identify themselves as camp pros from the group or you people who listen to camp hockey or do it. That's not set up for that this year, but hopefully we'll be in the future. But I just want to encourage people to, to get the word out there. Um, we are one of the media partners for that. Uh, and so it's our pleasure to be able to host this. That wasn't why Paul said it. Paul said that on his own before knowing that we were uh, a media partner for it. But um, we're really grateful that he's doing it. One of our co-hosts. Uh, I'll be doing it too, and we encourage other people to check it out as well. And if if camp pros are doing it, uh, and they really identify as camp pros, maybe found out about it through the camp pros Facebook group or through this podcast. Uh, if you want to send Tom Holland of ACA an email, yeah, I'm sure he would appreciate knowing that he uh, is uh, the new, uh, relatively new development director at ACA. It's this is his uh, uh, this is his baby. Uh, he is an amazing guy. Uh, I'm really excited that ACA has hired him and I know he wants to know how the word is getting out. So, uh, feel free to identify yourself that way. Nice. That's awesome. Thanks, Paul. So Joe, my tool of the week is pocket pocket is an app that is both on Apple and Android, but it's also a web-based service. Um, I used to use Instapaper, which is a way to save, articles to read later and pocket is um has since been my replacement since i moved from apple to android uh in january what i love about this is that um i use feedly which is an another app for all of my rss feeds and i used to save them to feedly but then i found i never went back and actually looked at them again and now i switched my i've switched my saving thing to be pocket and so i can literally just 
pull up an article or um, any web page that that has been saved and I can read through it. On Apple, you have to read. On Android, um, I know, Travis, you had another app that reads for you. uh, But on Android, the Pocket app reads the article to you if you want it to do that as well. Um, It's great. Like I'm looking at my, my front page of Pocket on my my browser right now and I have um, Irresistible Pumpkin Pie Cupcakes to um, Gawker listening to Radio School again, eight smart radio stations to Google Ventures six-step design process, how we revamped our entire product um, to a DIY Kube, the best long game ever, right? So how to it's a very varied, for me it's just a very varied thing that I can go to when I'm looking for something to read in a short period of time um, or to have read to me as I'm traveling in a car. Nice. That's awesome. And it's, it's a free service. I think there's a, I think there's a premium service. I have no idea what the premium service would do for me. Like I can, you can also tag your articles and whatnot to find them again. So it's got a bit of that Evernote feel, but this just works better for me because it's somewhere that's not clogging up my Evernote. Fantastic. Thanks, Joe. Gab, you got a really interesting tool this week. Yeah, I actually got this off of uh, one of your uh, tweets that you posted this week about, um, I think it was like the top five things on how to do social media better. And one of the links led me to here, which I think I'll try to pronounce it properly. <laughs> Twiriad? Yep, Twiriad. Twiriad. I'm sorry, it just sounds like period. And with this help, <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, I can't say it properly, but there we go. Okay. So um, basically, it, it, uh, all you have to do is put your uh, Twitter account um, into Twiriad, and it will tell you when are the best times for you to post tweets. And for me, I, this is something that I've said very often, I, I'm still a little bit I'm really trying with, with Twitter. I, I, I like it. I like how quick it is, and I think there's a lot of great shares that can happen, but I'm still a little bit baffled on when's a good time, and it just gave me basically proper, you know, the times that I have, the most of my most of my followers are online that they'll possibly see my tweets, and I think for any business, that's just very, very useful, and took two minutes, um, and, I, and it breaks it down, like Sunday, Saturday, and the weekdays, and, you know, depending on how many uh, followers you have, I think it can get a little bit more specific, but I thought it was a really cool little, little free tool. It's awesome. Yeah. We've used it for Camp Packer for sure. We changed the way we set up our scheduled tweets based on what Twitter had said. So. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, right on. Cool. Well, I wanted to do one other little information piece before we go. Um, and that is that uh, I invite you all to check out www.thinkcamp.ca, which is a, a personal project of Joe's that we want to do everything we can to help because Think Camp is a big part of how Joe and Gab and I know each other. Um, certainly how we became friends because we were all on the um, a conference committee together for the previous incarnation called the Ontario Camp Leadership Workshop. Uh, and as a committee, we radically changed how the conference was organized and, and we let it lapse a little bit and Joe's been kind enough to, to revamp it. And um, it really is a, an intense two-day conference that's running this year from November 11th to 13th. And the cool thing about it as a camp conference is it is very conversational it's based on the needs of the people that go there it's not you don't know ahead of time what the presentations are going to go people are going to put up the uh, the things that they want to talk about and people and sort of facilitate that discussion so if you have some big questions that you want answered or um, you want to present on something 
radical that you're trying, um, you can do that there. And I think it'd be an awesome fit for certainly our listeners and, um, and for the people in the Camp Pros group, it's such a, a natural fit, people that are constantly wanting to learn and are driven to, to figure out new things and to exchange ideas. It's such an awesome idea. And it's the, the double bonus is that it's going to be at Pierce Williams Christian Center, halfway between Detroit and Toronto. Uh, and you get a chance <laughs> to actually see the, the property that you've been hearing about for such a long time. And um, we're really looking forward to being there uh, and, and being a part of that. Anything you want to add to that, Joe? Um, I just, I just really want to add that it's, it's a break-even conference. Pierce Williams doesn't. We don't want to make any money off it. We just don't want to lose any money. So, one hundred and fifty dollars gets you the, the time you can register online. Um, Camp Hacker is a big part of this. Camp Brain is offering us free registration um, and uh, rail design, which is Gab has done up the logo, which I promptly put in the background of the, uh, the website and have to change. Um, but I think the ease of access, I fly out of Detroit all the time to go to, uh, I went to New York the other week and I'm off to the ACA National in February uh, out of Detroit as well. So it's it's about an hour and a half drive from Detroit and maybe maybe two hours from Toronto. So it's it's accessible and it's close if you're flying in as well. Right on. Well, thanks for doing that, Joe. So people want to go check out thinkcamp.ca. Um, and it's $150 Canadian. So with the exchange rate, that would be about 125 bucks, I think, right now um, for, uh, for U.S. Americans. And um, it's, a, it's a great deal. It's an awesome, awesome, good conversation. So I want to uh, to thank you all for for joining us and listening to the show. It was a, a pretty long one for us, but um, in very important conversation, I feel. Um, I want to just make sure that you check out some of the smart stuff that Dan says. If you follow him on, on Twitter at DanLovesCamp, you'll get to see, as I say, smart things that he's talking about, summer camp and the future of that. Um, and Dan works at Frost Valley Y, which is at frostvalley.org. And you can check out some of their many, many camps that they're running to fit their needs there. So do check out what Dan's doing. Paul, where can people follow you online? Uh, they can find all of my social media stuff at paulsheridan.com. And they can find out about Four Winds at fourwindscamp.org. Awesome. Thanks for being on again, Paul. No problem. It was fun. Yeah, look forward to the next one of these with you. Joe, how about you? Where can people follow you? People can follow me at yoyojoe.com. Um, that has all my links to Facebook and Twitter. And if you want to find out more about Pierce Williams and what we do, you can find us at campisbetter.com. Great. Thanks for being on, Joe. Yeah. And Gab? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Gabrielle Rail. Rail has two L's. And uh, you can check out where I work at warouareau.com. Fantastic. It was great to have everybody on. Thank you. Um, yeah. And thanks for being a listener. If you're watching this on YouTube, um, you get to see some of our funny faces that we make when funny tech things happen. Um, do do check us out there. Uh, and if you're watching there, please subscribe to, to get the videos when we update them. We're going to back into a regular production schedule every two weeks for the rest of the winter. So the next nine months will be every two weeks. So subscribe so you get first notification when our new videos come out. If you're listening on iTunes, then uh, or you're listening on the website, I hope you subscribe on iTunes. You can see the link right in the the show notes, which again are at camphacker.tv slash podcast. 
And if you've been a longtime fan or you've heard something today that you thought was great and would you know, be willing to share the show to get more of the Camp Pros community listening. Uh, if you go to camphacker.tv slash love, that'll put out something on your Twitter for us that talks about how much you like the show. You can edit it if you want, but there's something ready ready to go. It's simple to two-button click to go and put out a tweet about the show so others can find it and learn about it too. Uh, so again, that's camphacker.tv slash love. Thanks very much for watching, everybody, and thanks for the evening, friends. The Camp Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.